is no uh, none other than Dr. Louis Lugo. And many of us know uh, Dr. Lugo. He, uh, he serves on the executive board of the National Lectureship, and, and he has made his, left his imprint uh, on our brotherhood. Uh, Dr. Lugo is a biblicist. Uh, he is a brother who, um, one of the deep brothers who studies, and we appreciate his knowledge uh, and, the, and the great wisdom that God has blessed him with. Uh, he has helped uh, many congregations, and, and his wisdom and his knowledge continues um, to flourish, and we're grateful that God has blessed him to come back to the Sunshine State, uh, there where he labors in the Tampa, Tampa Bay area. And we're grateful. If you never heard Dr. Lugo before, you're going to be blessed. He always has a way, whether I'm in one of his classes, he's teaching a session, or whether he's preaching, there's always something that he leaves you just, just thinking about. Uh, he just gives you some deep thoughts. And he's one of those brothers I really appreciate for his stance for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Dr. Lugo has impacted so many, and we're grateful for him and his contribution on tonight. I'm going to ask Brother Owens, if he would, to come and to lead us in just one congregational hymn. And then after that, uh, the next um, voice we'll hear uh, will be that of Dr. Louis Lugo uh, from the Tampa Bay area uh, there in Florida. At this time, Brother, Brother Owens. I thought he was going to say a verse. <laughs> it was hard for me to say a I love to praise him. I love to praise his name. I love to praise him. Oh, I love to praise his name. I love to praise him. Oh, I love to praise his name. I love to
wish to express my appreciation for the time all those who have been working with me in the administration of this program. The thematic for this event from tragedy to triumph speaks to us about the downward spiral of mankind. From fellowship with the sovereign, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God of immoral corruption of the soul, in need of redemption, reconciliation, and restoration. From the tragic condition and circumstances that sin puts one in, if there was ever a time for the redemptive society of God to recognize its unique posture, possession, and pos positional purpose, it is now. If there was ever a time for the redemptive society of God to understand its purpose, now is that time. We must recognize that we have been called to confront the winds of adversity, doctrinal challenges, humanistic philosophies, instabilities of political government and interference, and within our own fellowship, those who consider themselves left out, misunderstood, and undervalued, underappreciated, now is the time to stand up and say something. As we cascade towards what seemingly is a major division among us, let us not forget that the understanding of God's word should not be based on humanistic traditionalisms, unstudied scriptures and non-theological concept, but rather we need to understand that we do not need to support mom and pop theology when it is wrong. We must remember that the church is not to teach anything. We must remember that the church is not to teach anything that rather the church is a taught institution and what the church needs to teach is what it has been taught by the word of God. If you and I as a church teach anything, we are no different than the denominational world. We need to make sure that when we teach, we are able to say, thus saith the Lord. Not thus said the brethren, not thus said the sistering, not thus saying the elders, but rather thus saith the word of God, thus saith the Lord of hosts. Beloved, we must remember that as we are a taught institution, that it is not our responsibility to invent doctrine, but to discover the revelation of truth as recorded upon the pages of inspiration. We must remember that the Bible is our standard, that it is our sole guide, authority, and final arbiter to settle any and all dispute, questions, and issues. Therefore, if we are going to be the people of God, 
it requires that we become honest investigators of the truth. Amen. That we become diligent students of research, observation, proper interpretation based on a proper concept of a historical document, proper comprehension of context, historical, immediate, as well as remote. Beloved, the time has come not for new doctrine, but rather it is time for a reinvestigation and if necessary, a reaffirmation of returning to the old path that came down cascading from the apostolic seas in the first century. The time has come. For the church to stop acting like they have lost their minds. <laughs> and take a formative stance based upon not what brother so-and-so said, but based upon what did Jesus teach, what did the apostles write, and what did that first century church practice. Yeah. Beloved, I'm just as progressive as anybody else. But I believe this. If it's true, it ain't new. <laughs> and if it's new, it ain't true. <laughs> the time has come for us to put aside all these innuendos and all these I thinks and all these, well, you know, brother so-and-so said so. And let's see what Jesus said. Let's see what the apostles said. And if they did not say, leave it alone. Amen. That ain't my subject, but I thought I had to say that. I love the church, brethren, and it pains my heart to see how we have allowed our traditions to make void the word of God, and how that in trying to fix those traditions, we have become inventors of things that God never intended for us to do. I really believe that if Jesus Christ and those 12 apostles were to come down to this lectureship, they would say, this is not what we had in mind. <laughs> Hello. Because a lot of times, brethren, we want to be so acceptable that we are willing to compromise what we know to be a gospel truth in order to be acceptable to those that are not in the faith. Uh, let me get into my subject. That ain't my subject. I didn't come to pick a fight. The assigned subject comes to us from the book of Jeremiah, the 18th chapter, where under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he whom we call the weeping prophet will give us the text for our lesson. You have a Bible, you can read the text. But the subject is entitled, The Potter's Work is Never Completed. The Potter's Work is Never Completed. It will be our task 
to show the work of sanctification to be a process in the life of the believer that is never completed because the intent of the potter may never be completed in the life of the believer. The prophet Jeremiah is one of the great prophets of God. His book is unique in the way that it exposes the life of the prophet as it is a struggling and constant fight like none of the other prophets had to go through. Because when we stop and we think about Jeremiah, ain't nobody struggles like Jeremiah. Right. There is no prophet that has a constant fight like Jeremiah. When we stop and we think about what Jeremiah's name means, it is somewhat ambiguous. There are suggestions that it means the Lord exalts and the Lord establishes, but it is more likely the prospect the Lord throws. In other words, in the sense of God picking the prophet up and throwing him into a hostile world, throwing down him into the divine judgment that God will bring to fruition his judgment upon an ungodly nation. And beloved, you and I need to understand that if God does not destroy America, he will have to resurrect Sodom and Gomorrah and apologize to it. So do not get comfortable in your materialism. Because I'm here to tell you that every great nation that has ever existed in the annals of history has lasted only 400 years. And America is tiptoeing. And I got news for you. God is no respecter of persons and any nation that does not honor God God will take you to the woodshed oh I'm here to tell you tonight with all the love that I have in my heart that the time has come for the church to stop playing church it's time that we need to understand that we need to go back to the potter's house. The prophet Jeremiah began his ministry somewhere between 626 B.C. and it ends sometime 586 B.C. How and where he died, no one really knows. But the Jewish subscribers tell us that he was living down in Egypt and he was stoned to death. When we stop and we look at Jeremiah, he is a prophet of doom. He was a man given to self-analysis and self-criticism. He reveals a great deal of himself in his book. He was timid by nature, but he received the Lord's assurance that he would become strong and courageous. He is a man who struggles inwardly and sometimes makes some of the most startling statements about how he feels towards God. His spirit is one of anguish, yet in spite of his personal lack, 
He still is a fearless preacher and a faithful servant of God. One of his commissions was go down to the potter's house. And in this text he is commanded to visit the potter's house where he will be caused to hear the word of the Lord. The time has come for the church to start hearing again the word of the Lord. We have been wasting our time listening to dusty-eyed men and their opinionated opinions about things that don't really matter. Hello. We are living in a time when we seem to enjoy nothing. <laughs> While we are enjoying whatever it is. <laughs> Beloved, the time has come for us to hear the word of God. The time has come for us to see the work of the potter. The time has come when we need to recognize that there is a certain amount of suffering that will come from the significant sufficiency of God when we do not take a proper stand on the word of God. I don't know why it is that we don't fear God. I am so glad, however, that God don't act like he acted in the days of Moses. When he sent Moses through the camp. And when he ended up, there were 3,000 scattered all over the place. God has a sense of humor, by the way. On the day of Pentecost, he restored them 3,000. <laughs> Brethren and sisters, we need to recognize that when you look at this particular passage of Scripture, he will learn that the clay in the potter's hand is like the nation of Israel in his hands. From this text, he will learn about the nature of clay. He will learn about pottery. He will learn about design. He will learn about freedom. He will learn about remission. He will learn about the sovereign right and power of the potter, the ownership of God, the correction of God, the design of God. But most importantly, he will learn of the uniqueness of our substance. Yes. All right. Brothers, you and I need to understand tonight that we have been made from the dust of the ground. And beloved, we need to understand what is a composite of that dust. The dust that God made us according to the Hebrew text is not very good dust. As a matter of fact, in today's market, your body is worth no more than $79. And most of that is chemical fertilizer. <laughs> God has taken us 
and made us out of the dust of the ground and put something in us that made us only valuable to him and to him alone. That's why he is concerned about the way that we live. That's why he is concerned about the way that we think. That's why he is concerned about our lives because he has made an investment in our lives and he wants to get back the investment that he made in you. Let me tell you something. As much as I am nothing but dust in the sight of God, I am somebody. I am somebody. And because I am somebody, I don't have to spend $400,000 buying a house to house dirt. Because I am somebody. I don't have to spend $40,000 buying a car to drive dirt around. Because I am somebody. I don't have to spend all of God's resources to smell good. Because all I am doing is making dirt smell good. I don't have to buy jewelry so that dirt can look good. I don't know what it is about us that we don't understand we are made from the dust of the ground and to the dust thou shalt return. And the only thing that's going to be important is not how much money you spend on your dust, but how much of the money that God gave you, you spent on his cause, his will, and his devotion. I don't know what it is about us that for some inexplicable reason, we think that God died for brick and mortar on Calvary's hill. And so we build million dollar structures, spend 20 years paying for that million dollar structure while there's 127 met with 127 nations that have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. The Church of Christ baptizes 300,000 people a year worldwide. The Mormons baptize 600,000 in Argentina alone. We got 300 missionaries the world over. Hello. And that includes the children, the dogs, and the cats, and the parakeets. It takes two Mormons to support one missionary full time. It takes four Baptists to support one missionary full time. It takes 14 members of the Methodist Church to support one missionary this world over. It takes 127,000 members of the Churches of Christ to support one missionary. And then we got the audacity and the unmitigated God to tell people we got the truth. 
the proof of the pudding is in the pudding. And if we got the truth, then let's do what Jesus told us to do. And he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation, every creature beginning in Jerusalem. Amen. Jeremiah is learning this stuff. Because you see, Jeremiah is going to understand that God can take non-important stuff and make it important. God can take clay, which is nothing but dirt and mud. And the power of God in his creation, and I'm trying to get ahead so I can sit down. <laughs> you got to understand the power of clay. All right. when, you, when you scratch the dirt for clay, it ain't no good. You got to take it through a process. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. And the process is called weathering. Yeah. And the weathering process is done basically at the potter's house or in the potter's field. And what you have to do is you got to have water in order to deal with the mud. And what transpires is that when the potter is trying to find the best clay that he can find, he will take that clay, put it in water, put it in cement caskets, and leave it there for six months until that dirt becomes soft, or what we call slip, slime. Did you all know that you all were slime? <laughs> that God takes us through a process by which he brings us to a point where we need to recognize that I am nothing in the sight of God, but with God I am everything. Listen to me. When that slime is in that pit, then what the men do is they take it out, and whatever the residue is, they add more water until the residue becomes slip. Why? Because you don't leave nothing behind. And so what transpires is that the day will come and before, before, before there were wheels to make uh, these potteries, everything was done by hand. You and I are the creative act of the hands of God. Okay? And when we stop and we think about how the potter is working, the potter has an idea in his brain what he's trying to do. And he works and he works until he sees the very product that he wants. And a lot of times, when he doesn't get what he wants, he destroys it. Now I want you to hear what I'm about to say. When the potter does not get what he wants, he will destroy what he has made. Don't think that God will not take us to the two shed. Don't think that God will let you slide simply because you're his slip. God will check on you. 
God is always checking on us. And you and I need to understand that when that clay is ready, then the potter takes it. And he goes to work on it. And then when he's got what he wants, he puts it in the fire or the kennel. And when it comes out of there, it comes out hard. The problem with the kennel is that when the product comes out, he can't use that thing no more. All right. Because if it's not what he wants, guess what he does with it? Destroys it. How many of our lives have been destroyed because our fire didn't do what God intended for it to do to us? Do you not know that the purest gold that you can buy is the one that has been through some fire? Oh, yeah. In order for gold to have all of the vestitudes of purity, you got to put that sucker through some fire. Let me tell you something. The book of Malachi, the third chapter, Malachi talks about the refiner. And what the refiner would do, he would get big vats, and in those vats he would take and put iron ore. And then he would take and he would get wood and put wood under the vat. And then he would set it on fire, and he would have a ballast at the foot of the fire, and he would just start stroking that ballast so that it would blow wind into the fire so that the fire would burn. And as it begins to burn, the gold begins to melt. And what comes out of the rocks of the impurities embedded in the liquefied gold, what that Tanner would do, or what he would do, he would come and he would look, and he would see if he could see his image in the gold. And when he looked at it, and he saw the impurities, he would take a skimmer, and he would skim it, and he would clean all of those impurities, and then go back and add some more ballast add some more fire until more gold came up and then he would bend over and look to see if he could see his visage in the liquid and if he couldn't he would come again and skim it again beloved that's what God is telling us that God will put us in the fire and God will put down and see if he can see his image in you and when he can't see his image in you, he will go back to that ballast and he will add some more ballast and he will keep on adding ballast until you come up out of there pure. Our problem in the Lord's church is that we are afraid of purity. We are afraid of the sanctificational process of God. Let me tell you something, beloved. God is more concerned with your character than he's concerned about your comfort. And God will send you through hell to take care of your character rather than give you your comfort. God loves you enough that he wants what's best for us. And Jeremiah is going to learn that in the potter's house. But he's going to learn that the process is never done. Come on. 
Because we got to go through this particular process. Beloved, let me tell you something, and I'm going to shut up. One of the problems that we have in the Lord's church is that we're trying, and brethren have heard me say this before, and I, I learned a long time ago that there are three rules to learning. Three laws to learning. The first law says repeat. The second law says repeat. And the third law says repeat. So peak, peak, and peak. I'm going to repeat what I've been saying this weekend. Our, one of our biggest problems in the Lord's church is that, Sam, write this down. This is good stuff. You can preach this. Our problem in the Lord's church is we're trying to get sad folk to do what only glad folk can do. I mean, when you look like you've been sucking spaghetti out of a Coke bottle, what makes you think that you're going to be attractive to people who are looking for something that they can't find and you found it, but you don't know how to give it? Our problem in the Lord's church is that we only get joyous when a group sings. I ain't got no problems with group singing. I don't care for it. And I'm not telling you that I won't go listen to a group. I don't have a problem with that. What I'm simply saying is when you can get more joy and travel further to hear a group sing out of key. you won't come to listen to the word of God being taught in a Bible study something is wrong with that picture our problem is that we got pseudo joy because we depend on circumstances to make us joyous rather than allowing God to dwell in our hearts by faith and when God dwells in our hearts by faith we will have all the joy that we need to take the world for Jesus listen to me and I'm closing in John chapter 20 and verse number 20. This is the Christian's 2020 vision. When Jesus had been crucified under Pontius Pilate, buried in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, early Sunday morning, what the people call Easter today, Jesus got up from the grave. I don't know about you, but I don't need no special day. To raise my Jesus. He gets up every day with me. Because I take him to bed with me. Hello. I wake up with that rascal every day. Because he's good to me. 
the disciples were hiding for fear of the Jews. And Jesus walks through the walls. And they saw Jesus. And then John with the pen of inspiration writing in A.D. 98. And by the way, John is the last book of the Bible to have been written. He will write for us that when the disciples saw Jesus, then, adverb of manner, then, present perfect indicative, then, the disciples were made glad. It was after Jesus made them glad. That he said, as the Father had sent me, so send I you. You cannot get sad folk to do what Jesus commanded God folk to do. Our problem in the church is that we got so many people who look like they've been sucking spaghetti out of a Coke bottle that it takes all, all day long to preach a sermon just to get them to relax their face. You got 54 muscles in your face. You got 54 muscles in your face. 40 of them will make you look like some of y'all are looking like now. 14 of them will give your face a relaxation look and put a smile on your face. It was after Jesus made the disciples glad that he sent them into all the world. And let me tell you something. A lot of us in the churches of Christ lie on God Sunday after Sunday, Monday after Monday, Tuesday after Tuesday, Wednesday after Wednesday, Thursday after Thursday, Friday after Friday, Saturday after Saturday, and start the process all over again on Sunday. We teach a lot of stuff that the Bible don't teach. And let me tell you all something. I ain't scared. You want to see me, I'll be outside. <laughs> but brethren, we tell folk, I ain't got no hell to put nobody in. And I ain't got no heaven to send nobody. You need to stop lying on God. God the Son said it this way, whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. And whosoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. How do I do that? By teaching or not teaching. When I don't teach people who are lost the gospel, I retain their sins and I am sending them straight to hell. If I want them to go to heaven, I need to take time out and say, here's what the book says about Jesus and your relationship with God. Jeremiah is learning all of this stuff. He said, well, where you get that from, Lugo? I got it from the book. (laughs) You know, it's good every now and then to read it. At, at MIC, what, what we call it, MIC? You're doing that. Okay, you're doing that. MIC? 
MIC. We, 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 here's what we did. We were having a teaching on the Holy Spirit. Yes, sir. And guess what? It was good. It was good. It was good. It was really, really, really good. All right. Brother said to me, Brother Lugo, can you recommend a book where I can learn about the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Man, I started scratching where I wasn't itching. And I said, the Bible. Do you know he got upset with me? He said, I've been reading it, and that's why I'm asking you. I said, then go study it and stop reading it. I said, because what I have taught you, I studied it out of the Bible. And our problem is, brethren, that we want to be the truth. And we want to say we got the truth. And we want to say we're the only church. You haven't earned the right until you do the truth. Beloved, God has a recall for all defective saints. All of us have some defect. And it don't make no sense to wait till you find your defective self in the graveyard. Get it right with God. Just because you are here at the national lectureship does not necessarily mean that you are not a defective recall. There are a lot of things wrong in my life, and I ain't got no problems telling you about my wrongs. I can preach a beautiful sermon and walk outside, and you walk up and say the wrong thing to me. You may find out that I know a whole lot more about your mama than you thought I did. (laughs) You see, God ain't through with me. Now, he brought me out of a a lot of stuff, but he ain't through with me. And he's still working on me. And I know that, and I appreciate that, and I realize that. That's why when you walk up to me and say, Lugo, use a lie, I said, probably. (laughs) Some brethren who have walked up to me when they've heard me preach something that they did not know, Brother Lugo, that's false doctrine, might be. And the reason I am that way is because, you see, I never know when I'm wrong. I can be wrong thinking I am absolutely right. And let me tell you something. Some of you have bought cars with no reverse in them. 
gonna buy a good car and make sure that it reverse. Because it, you can get in some tight spots and you need to back out. And Christianity is like that every now and then. We need to back out of some stuff. We need to confess. And, I ain't never made a confession in my life. You need to make one now. You're here tonight, you need prayer because you're dealing with some issue in your life that's causing you to really lose sleep and causing you anger and anguish. And, and you, can't, you can't go home and be the right person that you ought to be. And, and you're having issues and you're causing issues. And you go to church and you're sorry in church. You, 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 the singing don't do nothing for you. The praying don't do nothing for you. The preaching don't do nothing for you. And, and you say, well, he ain't no good. No, it might just be because you. Yeah. Yeah. Have not dealt with your personal demons. And you have not recognized that if I am having this turmoil, it might be that I caused the turmoil in the first place. And so let me humble myself. And let me apologize to God. Let me apologize to the church. Let me ask the church for prayer. Ask individuals to pray for me. And then, 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 and then when I get through asking, go and pick up the Bible and say, Lord, what is it that you will have me to do? Amen. So if you're here tonight and you, 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 you're dealing with issues, you need to ask for help. Well, Brother Lugo, you know, I'm dying. Yeah, so am I. So is everybody in here. The question is not that we're dying. The question is, are you ready to die? Because if you're not ready to die, don't. Terry, I, I wanted to share some false doctrine with them, but you, you're, you're standing back there, so I, you know, so let, let me share the truth. You and I, as members of the Redemptive Society of God, don't have to worry about being in the judgment. You and I, as members of the Redemptive Society of God, do not need to fear the judgment. My sins have been taken care of by that itinerary rabbi from Galilee. My problem with God is going to be, Lord, you gave me these talents and I did not use them like you wanted me. I'm going to have to justify my stewardship before God. In other words, I'm not worried about sinning, but I am worried about the fact that I may not have used the position that God gave me to bring glory and honor to him. And that's what I'm going to have to give him an account for. Jesus took my sins away. But he did not take away my inability not to do my ministry. So you're here tonight. And you need to repent you need to make a confession. You need to do whatever you do. And besides this, you might be the reason why the church in St. Louis ain't grown. 
So you need to get it right with God. As a matter of fact, let me, let me I'm sorry for saying St. Louis, wherever you come from. <laughs>